Hello and welcome to the True North Canadian Football Podcast. I am your host, and before we begin, I have a confession to make, guys. My <gasps> real name is not, in fact, Jimmy Leach. What? I, I know, right? This whole time. I, I am unaware of this. <laughs> big, big twist. Um, I'm actually going to go by my real name now. So, I am your host, Mike Schwan. The idea behind going by my internet alias before was because I, I had a lot of online friends that I showed this to, but most of the people that I've shown this to online already know my real name, and then I've shown this to more of my real-life friends, so this is, I'm just going to go by my real name now to avoid the confusion. Yeah. So, apologies for all the social media posts, you're going to have to correct Taylor from Jimmy to Mike. So, yeah. there you go. <laughs> all yeah, right. Fun. Yeah, for sure. And then you can follow me on Twitter at Mike Schwan CFL. Wow, that's crazy. A whole new Twitter handle and everything. Wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I, I haven't changed my name. I'm still Taylor Curry, and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Taylor Curry SK. I'm still Carter Kennington. You can follow me on Instagram at Carter Kennington at Twitter on CJK underscore Carter. And thankfully, the podcast name hasn't changed either. You can find us on, what is it? Oh, yeah, God. Uh, Instagram. Yeah, basically everything, but social media, uh, Instagram and Twitter, still True North CF Pod, and True North Canadian Football Podcast on Facebook. You can also listen to the show on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube. So, without further ado, let's get into the recap. Or, not the recap, the news, sorry. I'm fumbling a little bit here, but we'll make it through. So, for the news, we're just going to run through a couple headlines here. Standback was placed on the sixth game. And, yeah, that's a huge loss for the Owls, but we'll talk more about that later. Um, Walter Fletcher was traded from Edmonton to Montreal uh, following this news. So. Obviously, this is they're expecting it to be on the longer side there. They gave up a sixth-round draft pick to acquire Fletcher's services. Keon Hatcher was extended by the BC Lions through 2023. Riders signed Canadian defensive back Malcolm Lee, and he actually is a corner. He's not a safety. So nice. big vote of confidence for Lacombo there is kind of how I read into that. And then Ticats sign Andrew Pickett. Uh, This is probably to replace their loss of Kyle Saxville, who they lost uh, in the Ryder game. Uh, Need to get that depth filled out of Canadian line. Elks released uh, offensive tackle Antonio Garcia and veteran Caleb Hawley. Oddly enough, Antonio Garcia was the starter that slaughter brought to you by the BC Lions uh, last week. And then, I will just I just want to say I'm surprised at the Caleb Holly one. He had a couple of good catches in uh, in preseason, and I mean he hasn't been a bad receiver when he's been out there and stuff. So surprised to see that. Hope he gets picked up by somebody for sure. So TV ratings are down 15 percent compared to the last two seasons. That does suck, but I mean. At least the games last week were good, so hopefully those numbers improve in week two. Yeah, for the most part, the games were good. 
the most boring game I found was actually the Rider game, just because yeah, well, that first <laughs> half was brutal. The second half was really yeah. good, but that first Let half me, was brutal. Like, I'll I'll tell you like as a uh, as a neutral, I'll give you my two cents on that when we get there. All right. Cool. And, and then Dakota Prukop, uh, Bombers quarterback, was placed on the six-game injured list. And then uh, Alouette's owner, Gary Stern, had a very quotable moment when he said, I think we're going to kill Toronto on Thursday. Let's go. So, That's my guy. You love to that. see owners Ooh. get into it. Uh, the two new owners in DC and Montreal seem to be doing a pretty good job with their respective teams. So let's hope that trend continues. And without further ado, let's get into the game recaps. So, Montreal lost to Calgary on a, I believe it was a last second field goal by Perez. Yeah. uh, 30 for Calgary, 27 Montreal. So, after watching that game, is Carey now the most important part of Calgary's offense? Uh... I mean, yes and no. I mean, like, you know, everyone saw us to perform and do their jobs, but he's going to be the most consistent guy for you right now. Like, Bo went out with a bit of a leg injury. They think he's going to play Thursday, but he still went out. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, I think Kerry's kind of your number one target right now, but there's still tons of other pieces that have to fall into place for him to be successful. Yeah, you know, um... I'm not going to lie. Um, my hot take about this game is that if Bo Levi Mitchell doesn't get injured, I think Calgary loses this game. Ooh. Um, I think Jake Mayer really bailed them out here. Um, and so looking at it, I think Kadeem Carey is the most important part of this offense just because, yeah, it's he's going to be the most reliable piece on this team. Yeah, I think that's fair. It's just he does have that injury history. So I put a caution there, but. The reason I worded this question the way I did is because I don't know if he's the best player on that offense. I think Reggie Bagleton's a really good wide receiver, so is Kamar Jordan. It's just watching that game, those two didn't really do too much, and I don't know if you want to blame Bo for not getting them the ball, or maybe they just weren't open. But for me, Carey was steady and reliable, and he's probably in that conversation for a top three running back in the CFL. So I definitely think that he probably should be the focal point going forward. However, I do want to see a bit more from Bo um, the next couple of weeks, just because I know last year he did not look good, but I just, I want to give him a couple more weeks to see if he is for sure lost it or if he's, you know, come back. So. On a scale of 1 to 10, how big of a loss is William Stanback for the Montreal Alouettes? Uh, like, a, like a 14 or a 15. <clears throat> That's, uh, yeah, like, I mean, Vernon Adams is great and stuff, but William Stanback was the leading rusher in the CFL last year. Uh, like, the most consistent player for them besides maybe... Uh, Jake Weineke and UG, yeah, I'll just say Jake Weineke. And, uh, you know, they have good backs there, but no one is William Stanback. So it is going to be a huge loss. And the way their offense plays now changes because he's not there. I was about to say, yeah, this is going to like, this is a team altering injury. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think one to 10 is a big enough uh, scale to showcase how bad um, this injury is for the Alouettes. Um, hopefully he's back soon, luckily, because we're back to actually having a full-length season 
Um, from what I've seen from what we think it is with his injury, it's like a, a six to 12 week recovery. So he should be back like mid season, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. we'll say, <clears throat> I just want to say he had surgery today and they said it was successful, but yeah, he's out at least half the season. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, six to 12 weeks is the timetable. Is someone who had a really nasty ankle injury recently, Ooh. I feel for the guy. I don't think it's as bad as mine. I broke my tib fib and dislocated it. So true, sure. but at the same time, you're not relying on that for your job. I don't. Yeah, believe. that's also true. Yeah. So yeah, it's just like I hope for the best for him, and it kind of sucks that Calgary took maybe a dirty shot at Standback. Some people are saying that. Not saying I'm saying that, but that is kind of where I'm at with that, and where I put it on a scale of one to ten. I am going to stay on the scale and say it's an 8 or a 9. I thought last year when Cameron Artis Payne was in there, he looked pretty good, but he's also on the suspended list. So, who knows, he might not come up. Antwi looked okay in relief, but they're definitely going to feel the loss of standback, for sure. And then, did... Bo's performance and the QB controversy in Calgary for you? No, <clears throat> sorry, not at all. Um, the guy threw for under 200 yards at home. Uh, not the nicest interception. Uh, you know, only one touchdown. It's not like the end of the world, but he. it's week one, so it's tough to like compare to, you can't compare to last year. It's totally different, but um, it, you know, I, I'm not confident in him and, you know, I really think there's still that controversy there. Um, yeah, no, I mean, this, I, if anything, I think it created more controversy. This was not a good performance in my books from someone who is supposed to be every year a threat to be MOP and every year a threat to be leading their team into the playoffs and do stuff in those playoffs. Um, and Jake Mayer comes in and does the bailout job. And so that I think that creates a ton more controversy. For sure. Um, for me, I know people were mentioning the controversy. And I still think Bo is the guy for now. I think he's got a pretty long leash given what they're paying him. So, yeah, he missed a couple deep for throws for me. But again, you could argue that's kind of shaking rust. It's the first game of the week or first game of the regular season. So you're working on that timing. But yeah, for me, uh, I think there's still a QB controversy. I really like Jake Mayer. So yeah, I can see why Calgary fans are, or some of them at least, are clamoring for him instead of Bo. So for me, no, it did not end the controversy. And then thoughts on Vernon Adams. You think we will see Trevor Harris take over very soon? I know one of you wrote this because I certainly didn't. <laughs> well, and that it's interesting because, like Vernon, he didn't have his worst game ever, but he still threw two interceptions, and they weren't the nicest. And you know, like it wasn't, uh, wasn't like the receivers' fault. Like some of them, they weren't the nicest. Um, he did have a decent game. Like you know, he had a rushing touchdown too, so not too bad. But uh. I think with how inconsistent Vernon Adams can be, we are going to see Trevor Harris this year. I don't think that's a question at this point. 
Um, yeah, I think it's a question of if, especially if this type of stat line keeps up, because this is not a stat line from a quarterback that's going to win games super consistently. Now, it's not terrible by any stretch of the imagination, but personally, I think, like, if, if this happens again, like, I think Vernon Adams starts this week, but if he has another performance like this and they lose, then I think Trevor Harris is going to step in. I think that's the nail on the head right there, Carter. I think if owners talking about how they're going to kill Toronto and Toronto absolutely embarrasses them and VA has a bad game, I think that leash starts to get shorter and shorter, even though this offense is sort of built for him. I feel like Trevor Harris is good enough where you can definitely put him in if you know, Vernon Adams isn't playing well. And honestly, I, I am kind of surprised Trevor Harris is a backup because he's good enough to start for a couple of teams in this league. So, yeah. Definitely I, for me, I would say, um, yeah, uh, the Vernon Adams leash is getting shorter and shorter, despite that he's probably the most exciting player to watch in the CFL or one of them. Fair. Just before we move on, I want to add something. Um, <clears throat> one of my favorite things throughout the week is the CFLs, or sorry, the Third Down Nation. They do a weekly insider article where it's like anonymous things from people around the league. I and love it. I love it. Yeah. It's the best. One of the ones last week was that they think if Montreal underperforms this year, Kahari Jones is gone midseason and Danny Machocha just takes over the head coaching role. That's wild to me. He's the GM right now. And I know, right? Like, Montreal's not a bad team. They made the playoffs last year. They're like they're not bad. They got the best running back. They got the some of the best receivers. But yeah, it's interesting how quick things could change there. It sounds like for sure. I just I don't know. Like really getting rid of Kari Jones. That's just I don't know. That that surprised me a bit. I I like him as a head coach. So I, yeah, I really don't know. And then let's jump to the other game that kind of went blow for blow here. Uh, Ottawa narrowly losing to the Bombers, uh, 19-17 in favor of Winnipeg. So, does this game uh, solidify Ottawa as a legit competitor this year, going toe-to-toe with the two-time Grey Cup champions? Well, you know, I think you have to take it with a grain of salt. Like, if I think we should ask this question again in maybe four weeks and see what happens, because mm-hmm. it is week one, you know, you're knocking the rust off. But, like, Jeremiah Mazzoli threw for almost 400 yards, and, like, he looks good out there. Him and Jalen Acklin were, cl- uh, like, connecting really well, and Darvin Adams, too. Like, so it, I think if they keep it up, they could definitely be competitive. But it's just a matter of, I think this is week one, and... We don't want to get ahead of ourselves yet, but they do look like they have potential, at That's least. True. And yeah. I don't think so. Yeah, we couldn't say that last year. That's true. And it's like, the thing is with Ottawa right now, it's like you can't really tell because even like with Winnipeg, you can't really tell. Like everybody's had players swap around. We don't know how big of an impact that's going to make. And so if Winnipeg is, you know, if Winnipeg returns to their ways and Ottawa is still able to keep up, then yeah. Then I'd say that they are a legitimate competitive team right now, but we don't even know if Winnipeg really is a competitive team right now. We have no idea really where to place anybody. That's why power rankings are so contentious right now. Hmm. Yeah, for sure. Just I don't. What a difference a good quarterback makes because Zoli looked legit in that game, and 
I don't know if Winnipeg's secondary just got abused, because I know they mentioned some of the DBs were making basic mistakes out there for Winnipeg, and so I don't know if it's maybe they just kind of fell asleep or underestimated Ottawa, but I do think, for the Red Blacks at least, they'll be a competitive team this year, I think, for sure. Just the addition of a decent quarterback and the receivers they have, their offense is kind of too good not to compete. That defense, for me, is still has some question marks, but their offense is definitely good enough. And then, That's sp- fair. speaking of the Bombers secondary, can we expect uh, them to continue to absolutely get burnt and toasted and all that? Yeah, I don't I don't think so. I mean, it's week one. There was, I think, one or two new guys on that defense. Uh, you know, it's it's week one. There's there's a lot to go. I, I, I can't believe I'm doing this, but uh, like it, it happens like Nick Marshall when maybe we'll get to it in the next game. But Nick Marshall gave up the two touchdowns to Hamilton in that game. It won on that big deep throw, and then the other one was blown coverage in the end zone for him. So it it happens, even to the best guys you have on your team. It just it happens sometimes. Yeah. No, I mean, um, it was Winston Rose who got absolutely torched all game, right? And the one that was dropped, um, that one pass that like fifty yard that would have been like a seventy yard touchdown, also Winston Rose. So he got <laughs> bailed out there. I don't think that's going to continue. I mean, he was. He spent some serious time up in the NFL with the Cincinnati Bengals and came down and he was the one in the Grey Cup like interception that was the second guy in that like sort of three man interception who had sort of got the ball with one hand and sort of pushed it into Kyrie Wilson for the interception. Yeah. So it's like he has clearly got it like he's got the talent in him to be an all star. He isn't a CFL all star. I don't know if he was this year, but I'm pretty sure he was in uh, in 2019. Yeah. So. Personally, I don't think it's going to be like, I don't think the secondary is going to be a weak spot for long, especially when Brandon Alexander comes back. For sure. For me, it is a concern, but it's not like press the panic button right now. because obviously it's week one and Mm -hmm. I don't want to see what happens week two, week three before I pass judgment. But for me, it it looked really bad. So I think you have to be a little concerned but again don't press the panic button yet on the peg secondary and then with Kalaros at the end of that game reminding us that he is indeed made of glass you're win- and Prukop going on the sixth game Strevler is sitting out there do you try to bring him back or do you just stick with Drew Brown here well Drew Brown had a heck of a ending there uh but I think they're in talks with Strevler. They have been for a while. They're just kind of keeping touch. Strevler rarely wants to go to the NFL. And I mean, this was on June 3rd. He was quoted as saying, the CFL is definitely still on my radar, but he's still weighing his NFL interest. So um, the, the made of glass, which is interesting because he like the league pulled him out. That was the, the booth pulled. Yeah. Him out the, the concussion no spotter pulled him out. Yeah. So and I don't think there's questions of him playing this week. Like I haven't seen anything. So, you know, like maybe Zach's not as weak as we thought he was because I mean it was a good hit. He wanted to keep going, but the league took him out of the game. So, uh, but 
we have been saying for the past couple of years that we need to like we've been surprised they haven't signed a better backup quarterback. So I'm still always on that boat that you should have a really good guy back there. And uh, I don't think that uh, Perkop was the answer, but Drew Brown he looks uh, not bad going back there. Yeah, um, I will say yeah, um, I can confirm Strevler has been in talks with Winnipeg, and I believe that's his number one destination if he can't in the nfl for this season um but yeah looking at um caleros right now i mean i yeah he it wasn't his decision to step back it was just a solid hit that got him and like you could see that like um one of the one of the casters during the game he had said like when you get injured like that um you know it's bad when you're right away going for your head and you're checking your own head like that wasn't the case for caleros he was up and sort of just moving he just sort of stumbled around a little bit and so yeah. that's why they you know the concussion spotter rightfully said yeah you gotta sit and i'll be honest my best at judgment was not in my head at that point i booed <laughs> but you know looking back it was the smart decision yeah. but um yeah no i uh I think that if you can sign Strevler, absolutely go for it. Do I think they need to sign Strevler? Not necessarily. Fair enough. I think Drew Brown is the truth. I didn't see Winnipeg's first preseason game, but I did see the one against Saskatchewan, and and I and I know it's preseason, so people are people are gonna get mad. But hey, I know it's preseason, but the dude just. I don't know. He there's something about him. He he looks like a legit CFL quarterback. And for me, if he has to play, it's not the worst thing in the world. Um, with Zach's injury, yeah, the concussion spotter pulled him. It wasn't like they had to bring the trainer out and you know all that. But for me, at least, just with Zach's concussion history, I do not blame them for taking him out, especially because the more concussions he gets kind of the easier it is to get them. So, yeah, I, I don't blame them for doing their job there, and I think if something does happen to Zach, I, I actually do like Drew Brown more than I've liked Winnipeg starters in previous seasons, so I think they'll be okay there. And then, let's jump to the next game here. Uh, defensive slugfest for most of this game until Second half when Saskatchewan started to open things up a little bit more. Uh, Riders down the Tie Cats thirty to thirteen, and then how can sure uh concerned sorry should Tie Cats fans be after this game? Uh it's tough. I don't think they need to be super concerned. It, it like we've kind of been saying it's week one, getting the rust off. But the couple things I will say they should be concerned about is. Uh, the running back position, they just like their leading rusher had 11 yards and uh, I'm pretty sure Tim White is a wide receiver. So just <laughs> yeah. like it, it doesn't look good there for their run game. And that's like if you don't have a balanced run game, you're not going to do well. Um, you know, their receivers played well, but the defense, I mean, they let Cody throw over 300 yards and the riders ran about 60 or 70 yards. So not the not the worst on the ground, but they definitely got burnt through the air. So there's definitely some things that they need to look at going forward. But they like I don't think they're gonna be at the bottom of the East. But the way it's playing, who knows? It's it's tough. Yeah, the thing is with uh with Hamilton, um they kinda just like because you know, the game was relatively tight, like defensive slugfest for the first half, and then like 
for like 10 minutes of the second half, Saskatchewan just killed them. And then it went right back to just like, to me being kind of bland. Yeah. So, um, cause it was like, you know, the first half to me was a little bit boring. And then yeah, Saskatchewan grabbed a bunch of points, but it was all in such a fast span that then we just had to wait for the game to end. Cause we knew who was going to win. Yeah. So despite the scoreline, I do believe this was the most boring game of the week. But that being said, don't believe Ty Cats fans should be too concerned because again, they had a rough ten minutes that really just did them in, you know? For it's sure. It's not like they just had a terrible entirety of a football game. It's like, yeah. there's there's positive points to take from what they had. Yeah. I think for me, that run game is definitely a huge concern because Sean Thomas Erlington was the guy, and then he had that it was an ACL injury and he has not been the same since. And then with Don Jackson, I don't know. I've never been a huge Don Jackson fan. So I think you have to kind of explore your backups there. I think maybe Malik Irons could be the guy, but that's just my opinion. Um, For me, it's just their run game is a huge concern. Um, But yeah, I think you're going up against Great defense in Saskatchewan, so kind of no wonder the offense has some trouble. And then, yeah, the defense had their struggles, but again, it is week one, so I don't think you can be too, too panicky right now. But overall, yeah, not a good game for Hamilton. And then, should the Riders be concerned about their first half offense? Uh, no, I, I really don't think so. It's the first time. Like, they played a little bit in week two together for a couple drives, but this was the real first time in a game that they were all together on the field going at full speed. So I don't think there's anything to be concerned about. Uh, it, it's just, yeah, they they have a lot of time to work this out, and it wasn't, like, as bad as it could have been. So Yeah, no, I mean, offense in the first half of a week one game is not something that you really want to be pressing the panic button about in any capacity. Um, especially in a game that you end up winning in in the sense that you do, because like at the end of the day, you put up 30 points in the length of a football game. It doesn't matter when you get those points. Um, while a, like a rough first half wasn't great to see, I'm not stressing at all if I'm a Saskatchewan fan. For sure. I think the offense was pretty bland uh, in the first half, mainly because they weren't pushing the ball deep. A lot of their passes were short or intermediate kind of at their best and they attacked with a run game and later on in the second half they kind of started throwing those deep passes to Duke and Shaq and kind of starting to open things up because once you do that the defense has to respect the deep ball right if they don't have to respect that they can come down load up up front and then the run game sucks the short and intermediate passes aren't going to do very much so i think it was kind of they lulled hamilton into a false sense of security in the first half and then they kind of opened it up after that at least that's how i kind of saw it so i wouldn't be too concerned unless this is something they do for an entire game if they don't push the ball uh, at all in the next couple of games here, I would definitely be concerned. And then, so with kind of this game and Winnipeg's game, does Saskatchewan take the crown as the best defense in the CFL? I'm going to say yes, 
but that's only because uh, Willie Jefferson and Jackson Jeffcoat weren't on the field at the same time this week. If they were, I think that would have been a different game in Winnipeg and we'd be having a different talk. But as of now, I will say yes. Yeah, it's tough because like right now it's like um, saying like, I will say it's like it's tough to like give the crown to someone specifically in week one. But like if we are just purely going off of week one, then yeah, I would say it would be Saskatchewan with being able to hold a team that made an appearance in the Grey Cup to 13, which is the lowest of any team this week. So, I mean, I think, yeah, automatically you have to give it to them. I am going to say yes, just because there wasn't one part of the rider defense that really concerned me that much like there was with Winnipeg in their secondary getting cooked. Um, I know Marshall got put in the toaster and burnt a little bit, but that, those are only a couple plays and that's probably like a focus issue. And other than that, I thought the defense looked excellent. The riders. And I think they definitely have a case. I think their pass rush could use some help, but if Woodard comes back from the NFL, you know, I think, yeah, this could be the best defense. But again, Jeff Coat wasn't there, and we know how much of a difference he makes. So I didn't I'll, I'll be honest. I like I didn't know how much of a impact he would have made. I was doing my best to try and not be like, you know, biased because, you know, I talked to the guy. But like, <laughs> I didn't think that it would have been that big of a difference. But I was proven wrong. I was going to say, yeah, you guys are Call of Duty buddies, so, uh, yeah, yeah. so, yeah, I, I can't be too, we're big fans of him here, but we try to keep our bias to a minimum, Exactly, at least. exactly, but I think I went too far the other way. Fair enough, I sometimes do that with the Riders, because I am a Rider fan, but I do try to be the neutral, so, sometimes I'm a little harsh on the Riders, like, we'll we'll discuss my power rankings later on, but. You'll see what I mean when I discuss those. And then let's get to the blowout of the week. If you like offense, this was the game for you. DC absolutely obliterated the Elks. 59-15. So we'll start off with this question, which I feel like is going to be unanimous. Is Nathan Rourke the truth? Well, I'd I'd uh, I'd sure say so. That that man played a hell of a football game on Saturday. Uh, sitting there and watching him just play the way he played, that was uh, phenomenal. So, just as long as he keeps it up, because I I remember I go back to last season, and he came to the Riders and they put up twenty nine points against us, I think. And uh, you know it was a great week one. He looked really good, and then it fizzled a bit after kind of like Mike Riley when he would disappear from time to time. So just hope he keeps it up. But like as of now, for sure, like yeah, it's it's great to see the BC native doing so well in BC. Yeah, exactly. He is definitely um, going to be a force to be reckoned with going forward if that's able to continue. Well, I don't expect him to drop almost sixty every single game. Um, just being able to show that you have that capability to just fully take advantage of any opportunity that you have is huge. It's really good to see. For sure. And then for me, I've kind of got a lot to say here because I was very early on the Nathan Rourke hype train. I know even a year ago, dating back to our regular season special when Derek Taylor was on here, we had a very lively conversation about Nathan Rourke and whether he belonged in the league or not. and. I'm glad I was right in saying he does because 
if you go back and look at his college tape, which I obviously did before he got drafted, he he was a dual threat quarterback for sure, and people were concerned about the arm and kind of always oh, just gonna get to read one and then scramble, like a lot of dual threat quarterbacks will often do. But in his film, he does get to that second or third read. And then another thing you look for in those uh, dual threat quarterbacks when you're looking at film is, is he still looking to pass kind of as he's starting to run? And Rourke always did that. He was not one of those guys who got, okay, I, first read isn't there are going like Chris Strebler would do. He was a guy that, you know, would make sure that, oh, okay, there's a guy open. In last second, let me make that throw. So, for me, I thought that was there for him, so he checked box one. And then, my biggest question mark with him was the arm strength. I don't, I didn't think it was phenomenal looking at his college tape, but that has certainly improved, and kind of is a testament to his work ethic, because he's a guy that is beating the coaches to the practice facility, and they have to kick him out at the end of the day, and He's clearly worked on that arm strength, and I mentioned that Michael Riley would be kind of the perfect mentor for him, and I think that is paying some dividends as well. So, is Nathan Rourke the truth? Yes. A thousand times yes, and I think having a good Canadian starter in the CFL would be a huge thing for football in Canada in general, the health of the league, you know, like, the closest comparison I could give it is when Vince Carter was on the Raptors because he was kind of the first legitimate star for basketball and really brought that to the attention of Canadians. And you go and look at the guys playing in the NBA today, Andrew Wiggins, who's playing really well in the NBA Finals, Jamal Murray, all those guys. They looked up to Vince Carter growing up. That's why they decided to play ball. And I think you're going to, if Nathan Rourke performs, obviously not on that scale, but I think you're going to see a lot of Canadian quarterbacks saying, yeah, I can do this. I don't have to switch to receiver, you know. I'm good enough to play quarterback at this level, and I should pursue this further. And I think that could result in a lot of more Canadian kids in the future signed to play quarterback so that's awesome uh just have to add this in nathan rourke is the second canadian quarterback in cfl history to throw or record five touchdowns in a single game it's only him and russ jackson that's pretty nice company that's a great company yeah yeah and then what were you saying carter no i was just agreeing with that oh yeah good good and then let's move on to the elks who got the crap kicked out of them in this game so bigger concern for them was it their offense or their defense uh i think it's going to be their offense their their defense will come together in time but uh that offense scored a last like they scored a last minute touchdown on the goal line with their third string quarterback that was it for the game um i've kind of been thinking this all the offseason that like nick arbuckle should never have been the guy uh, but I do think that Chris Jones is too focused on defense. He doesn't care what's happening on offense, which is going to bite him in the butt, as we kind of seen. Uh, 
so yeah, I really think it's their offense because the defense will come together in time. Deron Carter is going to play in a couple weeks. He's going to play at safety though. Yeah, exactly. it's hilarious. But uh, maybe he'll be a dual threat, and they'll throw him on offense to try to get it moving. But yeah, that that offense for me, honestly, like uh, the, James Wilder didn't have a good game. Uh, Nick Arbuckle played terribly, in my opinion. Uh, the receivers did what they could with what they had, but yeah, it's just it. It's very concerning for me if I'm Edmonton. What's it, uh, McAdoo? If I'm McAdoo right now, I'm sweating because he's going to be cut by Labor Day if this is how it keeps up. Wait, they hired McAdoo as their offensive coordinator. Yeah, that's it's Chris Jones. Oh, okay, that explains it. All right, <laughs> like man, you know, you know who the the only winner, like the only winner on Edmonton is from this game. You know who who it is. Kenny Waller, and that's it. And it had nothing to do with his <laughs> yep. performance. It was just because <laughs> yeah. he got a $129,000 roster bonus, and that is literally Oof. the only person who had a good day. Jeez. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd be having a pretty good day, too, if I got that kind of bonus money. So I'm, I'm just glad because I was worried about Edmonton possibly not giving him any like guaranteed money or anything like this, so I'm glad that he's actually got a good chunk of change already from his contract. Yeah, that's um, awesome. But yeah, no, this team, like looking at it, I, I can't help but think it was the offenses, like uh, that the offense looks worse, in my opinion, because look at the touchdown to interception ratio combined between Ford and Arbuckle. It's zero touchdowns to four picks. That's, yeah, that's not going to do it. That's true. Uh, I'm going to go the other way and say defense. Uh, Chris Jones, the defensive specialist, his defense led up s- almost 60 points. Like, that is a disgrace. Like, the offense, yeah, they were bad, but that defense was just flat-out embarrassing. Like, it looked like a pro team playing a youth sports team out there. The way BC was just marching down the field and seemingly scoring on every drive. Like, Chris Jones is going to be screaming his head off at those guys, and... He'll probably just let McAdoo do his thing because that's Chris Jones does. And I, I know how frustrating McAdoo can be as a Ryder fan and as a guy who does talk to former players who say they can't stand his offense. So, yeah, for me, it's definitely that defense just because, again, of the expertise of Chris Jones and the amount of points they let up with Trey Ford. He's a youth sports quarterback going into his first regular season game and just literally being thrown to the Wolves, or in this case, the Lions. So I'm not going to be too harsh on him. Nick Arbuckle, yeah, he, he has to be better, period. Like, at this point, he's a guy that people have had conflict, uh, conflicting opinions on over the years, but he has another game like this. Edmonton. I think you might need to make a trade for Trevor Harris to come back, honestly, at this rate. So, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with it. And then, speaking of uh, a brighter spot in this game, ending on a happy note, should we expect BC's successful attendance to continue as they had the highest attendance of any team this week? You know, you, you said ending ending on a happy note. I, <laughs> it's not going to be happy, I don't think. Because, you know, as much as I want to say yes, 
there was a lot of stipulations going into this. I mean, they played like li- literally the best football game they could. So I'm really hoping that things change there. But I'm kind of waiting to see it happen because it's happened in the past BC where they get a couple games and then it dissipates again. So I'm really hoping that doesn't happen. I guess I'll say I hope not, but I think it will dissipate. Yeah. Yeah, it's unfortunate, but I mean, it's also just like the hype of like you got one Republic there and that's going to get people who would go to the uh, to the BC Lions game anyway to bring their friends and their family to the game. And mm-hmm. so maybe like I, I will say perfect game to like absolutely smoke your opponents in perfect game for them, because like if anything, that's going to entice some people who are like, oh, maybe this team's got some potential this year. And like, you know, even if they don't know that Edmonton is like the dumpster fire team. They might, you know, get a couple of those ticket packages, things like that, and attend a couple more. So I, while, I'll, while I think I'll see it go down, it might become one of the bigger spots in Canada this year, which hopefully it does because we need more high-ticket selling areas in the CFL. Yeah, for sure, especially in those bigger cities like Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver. If we can get Vancouver going, that, that'd be huge. For me, I know someone in our group chat said, oh, it's just because One Republic's there or whatever. It's like, I don't think that's all of it. You know, they got 34,000. Uh, last couple of years, they've averaged about not not quite half of that, about 17,000-ish around there. So for me, I would kind of go with, I think it's One Republic definitely helps, like you mentioned, like, that would convince some fence sitters to go and probably see the game. And granted, One Republic did a really good job of their performance, so hats off to them. And then, but oh yeah, I would also say it has to do with again Ethan Rourke, a local kid from Maple Ridge. Uh, it says he was born in Victoria, but I've heard he's from Maple Ridge, so we'll go with that. Local kids starting for their professional football team. I think that's going to put some butts in seats. I don't know if it's going to put 34,000 people in seats every game, but I do think they're going to have a a couple. They're probably going to have more than 17,000 like they have had in previous years. And again, whether you want to credit, credit One Republic for this, or I guess the owner has done some really good local marketing which is, as we know in Saskatchewan, that is huge. And then could be Nathan Rourke, too. So it, it, I think it's a combination of factors. And I do think relative to past seasons, it'll continue, but I don't think it'll be on this scale. That's kind of where I'm at. And then let's jump into power rankings quickly. And this is probably one of the toughest power rankings I've ever had to do. Just in terms of how much time and effort I put into this, it it took me a while, and I caught flack uh, no matter which way I put it. So (laughs) I'm going to piss somebody off at this point. Um, I apologize if that's you, but without further ado, I have Saskatchewan number one. I don't like putting the Riders at one because I am a Rider fan and I, I'm aware that I have a bias there, but I did talk to a couple different fans from different places like Calgary and Winnipeg, asked them, hey, 
am I out to lunch here for putting Sask at one? They said, nope, you're good. All right. So I went with my gut, put them there. Winnipeg number two. They're allowed to have a bad week uh, when you win two rings back to back. You're allowed to have a good week, but or a bad week and not fall too far. And then BC just looked so dominant, I had to move them up to three. Toronto, four, even though they didn't play again, BC just looked so good, they, they have to move up. And this is where I really struggled, was where to put Calgary this week. I've had them at four, I've had them at six. It's just because I really do believe either team could have won that game, and if Stanback had been able to play that whole game, I think the results might have been very different. So, I I had to put these teams together. It was just a matter of where to put Ottawa. And I apologize to Red Blacks fans for that. So, I have Calgary 5th, Montreal 6th. Ottawa stays at 7. I'm sorry, Red Blacks fans. And then Hamilton 8th, and last is the Elks, uh, given their abysmal play. Oh, fair enough. No, it's good. Um. Yeah, I got, I mean, I got Sask at my top right now at number one, Winnipeg number two. Uh, if I mean, if they win, that probably changes. Uh, Toronto at three, I just, they're still number one in the East, so got to keep them up there. Uh, four is BC. Like, they, they moved up from, I think, second last or third last, so they still got, like, it's week one. They got a lot to prove to get higher. Uh, Calgary uh, at uh, five, sorry. Uh, you know, just they're not looking that hot right now. But I'll put Montreal at six because they lost. If they won that game, they'd be above Calgary. Uh, Ottawa, you're creeping up. You know, you're in seventh place. Uh, Hamilton, eighth. And Edmonton in ninth because they are the new dumpster fire as of now. Um. Okay, so for myself, there's three teams right now for me that you can justify at number one. And those are obviously my top three teams. So in my number one, I have Saskatchewan. Um, number two, I actually have BC because of just how badly they slaughtered Edmonton. I don't care that they're like a quote-unquote bad team. They are a professional football team, and they got smoked that badly. So I got BC number two. Winnipeg, I got number three. And yeah, while they're allowed to have a bad week and not fall too far, it's a good week to have a bad week because they won. Uh, B, uh, Toronto, I mean, number four. Calgary, number five. Montreal, number six. Ottawa number seven, and then it drops down a lot, and then you have Hamilton, and then it drops down a lot more, and then you have Edmonton. <laughs> For sure. And then without further ado, we're going to jump into our CFL Fantasy segment. And I just remembered we do have a league in the CFL Fantasy, so if you want to join that, search up True North, and then it is the... Canadian Football Podcast. That is our league. I'll have to add an image in there eventually here, but if you want to join that, it's public. You can just go search it up and join. Uh, I'm the commissioner, so there you go. And if you need a link, DM the podcast. We'll happily send one to you. And Not you, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, you're our social media guest. You'll probably be answering that before I get to it. Inside joke, Mike sends everyone invites to get the bonus points. So. Oh, heck yeah, man. Of course. <laughs> if you're not getting bonus points for your referrals, what are you doing in CFL Fantasy? Come on now. <laughs> All right. So let's get into our best positional options. 
generally these go from most expensive to least expensive. Sometimes there will be someone in between or at the end who I thought of last minute, but generally uh, we're not going to say the exact amounts just because that takes forever. But we'll start with Vernon Adams, Cody Fajardo, Jeremiah Mazzoli, and Zach Kalaros or Drew Brown that has an asterisk depending on who starts. I kind of made that list at the start of the week when we weren't sure, but Zach Kalaros I think is probably going to play, so just put Zach Kalaros in there as our best positional options at quarterback. Any objections there or additions? would make oh uh, yeah you're you're missing a you're missing a big name there oh. uh mcleod bethel thompson oh you're on mbt all right that's oh, yeah well, i'll fair. talk i'll talk about it later but yeah right. that's yeah he's only 9400 bucks he's cheaper than some other guys so he's playing montreal this week he could have a pretty good week i thought about that the only thing that made me stop and hesitate on him is because he doesn't get his own rushing touchdowns all these other guys, other than Kolaros, do. So that's why they kind of are where they are. It's going to chuck them. For sure. <laughs> and then... Um, oh, go for it, Carter. No, I just, no, 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 it's okay. I, I don't know really if I've got too much to add to it anyway, but like... Yeah, no, I... I'm, I, I was just assuming that you were going to throw it to me, but yeah, I have nothing really to add, so... Oh, yeah. If you, you just know? have anything to add, just speak up. Because cool, some, cool, sometimes cool. there's, like, nothing, and then sometimes it's, you know, you both yeah. have objections, so it's just, if you do, speak up. And then, so for running back, we have Kadeem Carey, James Wilder, Jamal Morrow, and I had a Cameron Artist Painter, Justin Antwi. It looks like Antwi is going to be the guy for Montreal, at least for this week. So, yeah, just because Fletcher isn't going to have enough time to get familiar because they play on Thursday. So, Antwi is the guy for here. Any objections or additions? Uh, yeah, I got, I, sorry, I got an addition for you, man. Uh, he's expensive, the most expensive. But, man, Andrew Harris, that might be a good one. You know, week one rested up against Montreal's defense. They, you know, they gave up what, uh, they gave up about 100 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. So, And Andrew Harris is at home in Toronto for that one. So he, he could be a pretty good pick. I'm seeing if I can try to sneak him in my lineup here somehow. Yeah, at home in Toronto, that makes me sad. But, yeah. uh, but no, I think, that's, <laughs> I think it's a smart play. Um, if, you can, if you can fit him in, I mean, there's a reason why he's expensive. It's because he is dang good when he's actually on the field. Man, I don't know where you're going to find the capper. Maybe from all your referral links, Taylor, that you've got, got the cash. To bonus dollars. <laughs> I've got 1500 and something left. So Yeah, I need I need 300 bucks, and you can't... Yeah, that's... <laughs> God, damn. My guy, like, I don't know how you can spend 10k plus on a quarterback and a running back this week, which I think is... That's why I excluded Andrew Harris, is just because... Below him, I think there's some good options. But yeah, like if this was a normal week where Nathan Rourke was still here and he was like eight or nine thousand, Harris would probably be on this list. But I think kinda there's better bang for your buck this week, at least in my opinion. Fair. And then for wide receivers, this is the one where I usually have a couple people that you guys 
find. So I've got Eugene Lewis, Duke Williams, uh, Ellingson, Jalen Ackland, Curly Gittins Jr., friend of the show, Jack Evans, Darvin Adams, Ian Schaefer Baker, and Reggie White. Is there anybody else on here that you would put that is not a value play? Nope. Uh, yeah, you got them all. I have, I literally have Reggie White, Curly Giddens Jr., and Keen Schaefer Baker in my lineup right now. Let me just make sure. Yeah, no, I'm going with, uh, I mean, I'm going with Jake Weineke because I believe that with the injury to, uh, to stand back, that they're going to need to rely on their receivers even more. And Jake Weineke was like, I remember last year, I mean, they, he was like at points one of the most expensive players, I think the most expensive player. For uh, for CFL fantasy, so I'm I'm hopping on the train right now while I can. I think that's fair. I think he had the best week of CFL fantasy last year, if I'm not mistaken. It was recorded. Uh, so that is definitely a fair pick. For me, I'm just again just because of his performance last week. I'm not too high on him. For my receivers this week, I have Darvin Adams. Reggie White in a value play. And then for defense this week, I am actually picking a defense for once. And Ooh. I recommend everybody pick a defense. This defense this week, the Saskatchewan defense for only a little over 3,700. For the amount of points they could get versus Edmonton, that's way too good of a deal not to pass up. And yeah. they hit. They had 22 points last week. Like, I I picked them for defense. Yeah, they had 22 points last week. If they do that again, lights out. I'm stick- yeah, I'm going with that, too. That's kind of unanimous. And then we'll go to our value plays here, which are players that are 3,500 and under. So if you need cheap players, this is the way to go. Some of these guys aren't going to be too productive, but I mean... My standards are going to be different for a guy who's ten thousand dollars versus a guy who's less than like three grand. So, Poppy White is the first one. He had over ten points, so that's a guy that maybe you should consider if you're scraping the bottom of the barrel. Jalen Marshall got at least one pass thrown to him, and he's their returner, so there's some points there. And then. God, I don't know how to pronounce this last name. Carter, you're a bomber guy. How do I pronounce this guy's name? Dalton Schoen. Okay, Schoen. All right. Yeah. So Dalton Schoen is a good value play, I think. Uh, Starting boundary slot for Winnipeg. Uh, He's in my lineup currently. Uh, Another boundary slot is Riders receiver Jacob Crowell. He wasn't targeted very much, so that is kind of... I'll put an asterisk on that, but you really like him go for it and then i have a player definitely with an asterisk uh Devontae williams ottawa's starting running back at least for now this is one where you're gonna have to look at the depth chart because there are reports that william powell will be back and obviously if he is this is not the play but if he is not uh 2500 starting running back pretty good deal at least in my opinion and then is there any value plays that you guys saw that you might take a crack at? Uh, I don't think so. No, I I think you nailed it on the head there pretty good. Yeah, no, I I mean, Dalton Schoen would have been my guy, and we already have that, so. For sure. And then let's jump into our locks for this week. 
I have the Saskatchewan defense. Uh, given the upside potential and how well they did last week, there is no chance in hell that they are coming out of my lineup. Oh, fair. No, that's a, that's a good pick. Uh, I'm going with McLeod Bethel Thompson. I think, you know, week one out of the gate, he's got some good receivers, good running back. He's going to have a good week, and uh, he's going to go against what Garen said. And maybe he's going to kill the Montreal Alouettes this week. Um, yeah, so for myself, uh, I am going with uh, Jake Weineke. Again, mentioned it. I think he's going to get a lot more involved um this week just due to the absence of William Stanback. Interesting. And then I'll I'll remind everybody for the locks. This is someone who is not going to come out of the lineup no matter what. So I, I respect the hot take on Weineke, so we'll see if that pays off. And definitely don't take him out of your lineup. And then let's jump into our predictions. So I I had the worst record as I always have a bad start with predictions. I was two and two. Um, we'll get into who has the best record between the other two because they're fairly good at this. So for this first game, I do have Toronto beating Montreal. I think Standback is way too big of a loss for them to overcome, and then Toronto they've got some nice pieces there. So I just I really like kind of Toronto. Winning their first game of the year at home. And then Winnipeg versus Ottawa. I think Winnipeg wins this one uh, again. I think they kind of smarten up after that last game and kind of don't underestimate Ottawa going into this one. I have Calgary beating Hamilton. This one is a coin flip for me, but I have Calgary right now just because of how bad Hamilton looked against the Riders. I just, I think Calgary has a slight edge there. And then I have Saskatchewan beating Edmonton. Uh, honestly, how can you not? Uh, so, yeah, those are my predictions. No, fair. Uh, <clears throat> so I got lucky and went 4-0 last week. I'm hoping to ride that this week again, too. I got uh, Toronto beating Montreal. I just think with them coming out, out of the gate, rested with a few new pieces there they're going to do well uh i'm going against you with my pick here i think just something's telling me somehow ottawa is going to sneak out the win this week and just for later down the road and the riders sake i hope that's true because that'll probably help us down the road uh and then i'm taking hamilton to beat calgary like you said it is a coin flip but i think just at home uh, they're going to have the crowd behind them. It's going to be loud. They're going to get in Bo's head. And the, uh, yeah, Hamilton will win. And then Saskatchewan beating Edmonton. Edmonton played the way they did last week. Sask should have a pretty easy time kicking their butts. So uh, maybe uh, I'm hoping Cody Fajardo makes Chris Jones eat, eat his words this week. Yeah, so for myself, I'm going with, uh, I'm also going on the Toronto train. Um, however, I still think I've still got faith in the hometown boys. I think Winnipeg, um, yeah, I think they smarten up, are able to, uh, get it, uh, get it rolling again. Um, I believe Jeff Goat will be back in the lineup, so that'll be good for them. Um, going Hamilton over Calgary. Um, I think that even though Calgary won, I don't think that's crazy sustainable. And lastly, I think, yeah, we all agree. We're going Saskatchewan over, uh, over Edmonton. 
for sure. And then off the pod activities. So for me, uh, The Boys season three just dropped. Um, obviously, this is a PG uh, PG podcast, but this is not a PG show. So <laughs> this is not something that you'll probably want to sit down and watch with your family. This is not that kind of show. But uh, if you're looking for something that is pretty well-written satire on kind of the superhero genre, I would highly recommend The Boys. I know uh, James actually watched it based on my recommendation, and he loves it. So if you're into kind of that darker stuff, uh, highly recommend The Boys. Yeah, that is a great show. Episode 1 messed with my head. That was crazy. Yeah, uh, Season 3, Episode (laughs) 1, definitely... Definitely is jarring one of those very early scenes there. Apparently there's going to be an even crazier scene coming up in another episode. Oh, so yeah. It's going to be good. <laughs> uh, so uh, just kind of off the pod stuff, I guess. Uh, I hosted like a bachelor party for my best friend this weekend. So we got pretty rowdy a couple nights out at Regina Beach and, uh, you know, had some fish and chips at the Bluebird. Shout out to the Bluebird. And uh yeah, it was a good time and uh, also finished up Severance. It's an Apple TV show starring Adam Scott. It's just like based on or it's not based on anything, but it's basically they do this surgery to your brain. So your work life and your home life are separate and you can't remember either one of them. But I'm not. Yeah, it's just it. it I didn't know what to think of it going in. But by the end of it, like my jaw was on the floor and it's like one of the best shows I've seen this year. And yeah, it's it's phenomenal. If you got illegal streaming sites or Apple TV, watch it because it is awesome. Yeah, so for myself, um, I've just been planning a couple of trips that I've been wanting to go on for a while. Um, big one. Uh, hopefully, we'll uh, we'll be able to turn this into something for the podcast. But uh, Labor Day, I'm I think I'm maybe even turning that into a yearly thing where I uh, drive out and see the Labor Day Classic game in Saskatchewan. Um, but yeah, so it's just planning stages of all that. That's basically what's been eating up all my free time. Fair enough. And then for that wraps the show up, actually. So if you've made it this far. Thank you very much for listening. I know I'm kind of fumbling a little bit, but I guess that's because of, again, going by the real name now versus the alias. It's a little bit different. So a bit jarring, but again, thank you for listening. Uh, Once again, you can listen to the show on YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, or Apple Podcast. Don't forget to follow the show on our social media at TrueNorthCFPod on Instagram and Twitter, and True North Canadian Football Podcast on Facebook. And don't forget, last second reminder, to join our Fantasy League, uh, True North Canadian Football Podcast. I will put an image in there, but it is public, so feel free to join. And I know we get a lot of fantasy listeners, so there you go. Once again, I have been your host, Mike Schwan. This is the True North CFL Podcast signing off.